It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. back to another episode of Habs, Con- <laughs> Habs Nightly, folks. Um, it's been a tough week uh, for both of us. For me, I've, I've, I've had the flu, uh, which pisses me off because I just got a flu shot about a week and a half ago. Um, and it feels like I paid to get a shot and I'm getting no relief from it. So uh, that's where I am. Uh, but it's been a busy week nonetheless. Mason, how are you, bud? Oh, sorry, I was muted there. I'm pretty good, man. Uh, a little tired. Had a long weekend, but uh, got to watch some awesome Habs hockey. Uh, you know, capped off on Saturday by a big win against the Pens, and I'm excited to talk about talk about them uh, this episode. I think we've got some you know, some positive things to talk about, you know, we've got some sustained, sustained success here and, uh, yeah, no, I've been good though. That's good to hear, dude. Yeah. We're on a, what, three game win streak right now. We're not really supposed to be doing this, but this team's exciting. And I think Matt Drake said it best on Twitter. I think it was Matt Drake, uh, that this team doesn't, 
they don't quit. They they play like every minute of the game, and uh, they don't come out lackluster. They more or less give it their all, and I'm sure you know every team does that. But it's just connecting and clicking right now for for this. I mean, honestly, this young Habs roster. Um, yeah, man. Uh, we we haven't we haven't had an episode in a little bit, so we're uh, uh, there's a couple of things to catch up on, but um. I don't know, Mason, where you want to start? Um, I think we should just jump right in and talk about uh, the three-game win streak uh, before we get into anything. Uh, yeah. Habs have had to do so without uh, Slavkovsky uh, due to the suspension. And I think, I don't know, just briefly, because it's not too important, the, suspense, the suspension will be over. Uh, by the time this episode's released, but what was your, uh, what, were your what were your thoughts on that? Do you think the uh, NHL safety got it right, or do you think they fucked up? I think they got it right. Um, I, I was on a, I was on the THPN uh, live stream for the Vancouver game, and it was brought up a couple of times. Um, I mean, I, I I stated I thought it was I thought it was fair two games. Um, obviously first time, uh, offender. Um, but the way I saw it was, you know, it wasn't a, I don't know. I, I feel like the, it, it happened kind of quick. I don't think there was a lot of, uh, intent in it. He was just going to play the body. Uh, this kid's super stupid, strong. Um, and I think he's still learning just how strong he is compared to other guys in the league. And, um, I think the best way that I can put it is, you know, I think they did the right thing. It shows him early on in his career, you know, like this type of play isn't tolerated and, you know, whether it was uh purpose or not, you know, I think the message clear is clear to him. It's two games. It's, it's, you know, I think it's a lot, it was a lot tougher than the Anderson hit. Uh, it just looked a, like, I feel like Anderson was a little bit more fast. So the, the, the hit looked, um, I don't know, like it, it just looked like it happened like a little bit harder. But then you look at uh, you look at slaps and there's just so much power in it. It's just I don't know. It's maybe maybe just the body, the way it crumbles. Um, I think it's fair, though. Uh, I think this is a good opportunity for him to learn that. And uh, the game goes on. No, I think that's fair, like a fair assessment. I, I personally I, I didn't really think it warranted a suspension based purely <laughs> merit. And I think it's a boarding call, to be honest, because if you if I look at Josh Anderson's hit, which was absolutely worthwhile of a worth of worthy of a suspension, but he got two games for it. And then I look at what Slaff, they're not the same, but the Department of Player Safety is telling me they're the same. I think Slaff clearly tried to pull up and didn't like he didn't really thrust him into the board he kind of just ran into him and i think it was a decision made based on the outcome which is not how these decisions should be made and you know i hope um i think it was luff the player in question i apologize if i got that wrong he's out for like 10 weeks so Absolutely. I hope he's okay. You don't want to see that hit in the game. 
but if he's not out, I don't think Slap gets suspended. And that, that was my only issue with it. it was, it's less the suspension and more the consistency of, you know, their, their decisions over there at the, uh, the OPS. Yeah. So you did have it right. It's Matt Loff. Um, he's, he had had surgery, uh, expected to be out like 10 to 12 weeks. Um, I just think, I mean, it, his size played a factor into it. Like, and by no means is, is Matt Luff small, but like when the hit happens, he's like crouched over and he's, you know, obviously he's his eyes on the puck. So he's slouched a little bit more. And, you know, I, I also made the reference back to the Minnesota game where that, I forgot who it was, but someone tried to like revert. Someone tried to hit Slavkovsky and he's just so fucking strong. He like reverse hit him and like, he didn't move at all. Um, and that that's where I was going to, as far as like, you know, like him not understanding his strength compared to other guys. I mean, Luff was not uh, fully no, balanced. Absolutely. He didn't have his, you know, he didn't, his center of gravity was off. He didn't have his like wheels under him that well. And it just kind of, it was, it's just bad, you know, like not, not like, like he did it intentional. It was just like a bad coming of, of a play. And, but I, I wasn't upset, you know, based on the suspension, but I do no, get I, where you're coming from though. It's like he, you can do, you can see, he clearly tries to like shift his weight, but just Luff was vulnerable in that, in that moment. And I think that's no, what they looked at the most, you know, like Luff was absolutely vulnerable. I don't like, I'm not, just yeah, I, I just I guess my issue is just more more consistency, and I think it's a shame too because Slavkovsky's been playing, <clears throat> was playing the best hockey of his season, mm-hmm. um when he did get suspended. But um speaking of best hockey, um the new line, the new top line. I know we've spoken about it before. Suzuki, Caulfield, and Doc have abs just clicked. Doc is over a point a game. With when he's with those two, um. Suzuki continues to score goals, 10 goals in 15 games, which is absurd, leading the team. Now, granted, there is an inflated shooting percent. He's shooting at like 27% or something. <laughs> like Caulfield, nine goals on 15% shooting percentage. That That's sustainable. Um, that team's just been absolutely electric, absolutely dynamite. And I think you're seeing the effects that, you know, what, what, just having faith in your young guys. Doc is 21. Caulfield is 21. Suzuki is 23. Like, this is our top line going in every night and contributing offense and scoring goals. That's the big thing. They're scoring goals. I think they have like contributions on like 67% of our goals or something this year, hmm. which is absurd. Um, but what I really love about this line is not just like the fact that they're putting up points because I'm I'm sure that they're going to put up a ton of points this year. But is this type of two points a game kind of thing sustainable? I'm not sure it is. However, what I, I think is sustainable is the way they play. And Doc, as an addition on that right wing um, position for Suzuki and Caulfield, has kind of done everything we were speaking about and when we were talking about him possibly being on the line and when he was first up there, he's great in the transition. He's a great transitional player. He's using his feet. He's fast. That's the other thing. 
and there's one thing about being a fast skater and playing fast. Doc plays fast because not only is he a fast skater, but he thinks the game at a fast rate too. And I think what we've seen, the issue with a lot of players that have played with Suzuki and Caulfield is that they don't know what Suzuki and Caulfield are thinking and doing. Doc clearly does. And I think if Suzuki wasn't playing the way he, he is, Doc would clearly be the best player on the roster this year. No, I just don't think you can say that. I don't think you can say Doc's been our best player. Just Suzuki's got 19 points, 10 goals in 15 games, right? Mm-hmm. But Doc's been really good. Everything he touches has turned into gold. I think as they've included him more on the power play too, we've really seen um, the power play start to shine. They scored two more power play goals against Pittsburgh. And, you know, every time he, like, I think it's no coincidence that when he goes on a line that you produce. So I've, I think Marty St. Louis, you know, as much as I want to see Slaff up there with them, I think you've got to ride or die with this lineup for until they stop producing because they are just dynamite. They're electric together. They're, this is how, this is what we want. We want our young guys scoring a shit ton of goals and, you know, for us to start losing a few more games. But I think, I think Doc has really solidified himself. Like he could be the right winger on that top line for years. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to hear some other people's opinion, uh, like, you know, Habs based podcasts on it because I mean, Twitter's just, you know, everyone's excited for it. Everybody loves it. Um, but I was listening to uh, Habs Unfiltered, and I think it was Blaine Potvin. Um, you know, he said that it wasn't – I don't think this was supposed to happen. I think this was just to try it out uh, because Doc was probably supposed to be like our our number two center. Um, but it's just working too well. And it's like you don't – you know, they, there's going to be no – movement and no shake up until like it dries up so if it doesn't dry up don't look for this to be moving at all you know like they, they're just performing too well together um if you play fantasy and any of the three are available and if anything probably kirby doc's the only one available but if he is and you check your trance uh what do you call it uh transaction uh updates or whatever he's like one of the highest added players right now in the league and it's just because it doesn't matter what he's doing he's just collecting he's like how you said like you know Tyson Berry and now he's having a good year fantasy wise but like you said a couple years back Tyson Berry was like the glue guy to have to just suck up all of the free points and assists because He's just next to two guys that are just unreal. And he's that third player that can be rotated in or out to make it work. And right now, I don't think I honestly kind of detest the mm-hmm. Tyson Berry comparison because I think. Well, Tyson Berry not, doesn't put forth the effort, whereas Doc is like, no, I just think putting it in. Tyson Berry is a benefactor. And I kind of disagree with the sense that Doc is a benefactor of Suzuki and Caulfield. I think he drives. I think Cough, Doc drives the offense in a way in which I don't think Caulfield can. 
for example. Suzuki, I think, has been phenomenal this season, and I think he can drive an offense pretty goddamn well. I know some people disagree with me. I just think that Doc isn't – I don't think Doc's a benefactor. I don't think he's – second fiddle to either of those two guys on you know even though when you watch you may think like you know what i mean like it's clear who are her team's two young stars are i think dot could easily like i think he's in the same category i'm i'm very high on kirby doc and just to feed it into what you're saying or what was it blaine saying that you know they it wasn't this wasn't supposed to happen i i do think that the haves and you may disagree, but I think they'll probably still try to see if he can get some time in as the two C, right? Like you moving Doc to the wing means that we don't have that two C we've been praying for. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. But I sorry, I just I don't think that Doc is um a benefactor. I think he drives the offense. I think they all they're all, you know, benefiting from each other on that top line. Okay. Damn, I just lost what I was going to say. Um, it, it doesn't really matter. Fuck. It sounded cool. It sounded like I was smart. So I guess that's why I'm stuck on it. Yeah, no, I don't I don't see why you like, yeah, I can see them trying them at it, but I'm going to say that that doesn't happen until like maybe some of this this well starts to, you know, dry up a little bit. But fuck it. Like if Kirby Doc, who who I don't know his background, you know, I don't know if he played wing or anything. Um, but if he's unreal like this and it improves his game and he's playing his game better than he has in this professional level, who who says you can't, you know, you just don't draft your next two C or you know, you you I I know a lot of people I think-, think go ahead. No, sorry, continue your thought. No, I was going to say, like, you know, the Sean Monahan thing was kind of just kind of given to us. So it's like, you know, if he if he does well, you know, you can move him for something or you can sign him if he if he especially if he wants to take a, a cheap deal. But I think you have something there. Um, but why force Kirby Doc out of like an an unreal position but i do feel like and you know you might you might not like you know you might not like this comparison either but like is kirby doc kind of like the max domi fell into like the perfect line at the right time you know like i think that's kind of what saves him also is that he can wrote if that was to happen he could fall back and be a great 2c i don't think i I wouldn't force it I don't think you're giving enough. I'm giving credit to this kid. Like this kid got brought to us. He was completely overshadowed by everything that happened in, in the off season. Um, and then now he's here and there's nothing. There's no evidence that's like, if we had to, if we had to strip this team down, he's too valuable. He's, he has made himself so valuable to this team being like, uh, you know, helping this first line become one of the the best first lines in in the fucking league right now. One of the most offensive lines in the league right now. Um, and then being multi positional, and yeah, his face offs might not be 
you know, he might not have that full grasp for it yet, but can play right wing and center really well. I think he's really like, you know, dug in deep and he has like a lot of roots, you know, compared to other faces. If we had to, you know, move, move some pieces around, I think he's kind of hardwired in. I think my perspective is sort of more when I look at Kirby Doc, I genuinely see a player that I think you can build a core around. I think he is an integral piece of this core. And I think that's why I think he he's not like, I don't see him. And I understand I am very high on Kirby Doc, but I don't see him as like, okay, we're building around Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield. And then, you know, Kirby Doc is like a, a supplementary piece, right? I think Kirby Doc is now like if he continues to play the way he he has, and I think he will, I think he's a guy that like you construct this roster around him as well. Yeah, like he's the second. I think he's that he's good. The... I think Kirby Doc is a how do I put it? We always talk you get lost a lot, and guys like Josh Anderson, everyone says Josh Anderson's a unicorn, right? Because he's big and he's fast and he scores goals. He's that archetype power forward. I think Kirby Doc is an even more rare breed. He's not a he's not a unicorn, he's a Pegasus. Because he's six foot, what is he? Six foot four or six foot six foot three, two hundred and one pounds. And if you've seen him skate, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. And not just in terms of speed, he flies. Like he, his edge work is phenomenal. I think that's the best part of his game is that he's got great edges. He can turn on a dime. And I think the way that he drives play and at his size and in his natural position as a center. I think that's it's rare, especially in a young player. You don't have a lot of guys. If you really look at like big guys in the league around that size, there are very few that drive play the way Kirby Doc has this season. And how he has shown that he's able to in Chicago as well. Like you look at kind of like an Evgeny Malkin who we're playing against, straight. Like Malkin skates into the zone and fends off guys and finds passes and Kirby doc, I think in the Pittsburgh game too. Um, sorry, did you say you were able to watch that one or no? The Pittsburgh one? No, I was more or less in a, in a coma of a call. Uh, did you, did you I, I watched the highlights unreal. So <laughs> there were, he made a couple of beautiful passes, but I think the second one, the OT winner to um, like a second assist, the OT winner to, Mike Hoffman is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. And just displaying that patience and then to seam that pass in perfectly, there aren't a lot of big, you know what I mean? Big guys that are playmakers like that. Like Malkin's definitely one. Um, I'm trying to think of another 
another large, like a, a big, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank if I'm being perfectly honest. There, there's a few, but there's not many. The best playmakers in the league are your Johnny Goudreau's, your Panarin's, right? Suzuki's not the biggest guy in the world. Doc has a very rare, I think, combination of talent that make him very, um, uh, what's the word, valuable to the Montreal Canadiens. And I think as the year, like, I think this trade has already proven to be a steal. And as the years progress, it may turn into one of the biggest fleeces in the NHL. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, I, I don't know. He's, he's, you know, same thing we did with Nick Suzuki. We picked this, we got this kid in off of a team that, you know, I feel like this this time it, it's a little different because I feel like Vegas knew what Nick Suzuki was capable of, but what they like all the pieces they had, he just didn't have an option to. They weren't going to give him the time or didn't have the time for him, so you move him to bring in you know a piece that they needed. Whereas Chicago is just they're stuck in a money problem, and with you know two legends that I'm sure clearly won out now. I'm sure that's well known, but um, they're just moving all assets to make that team that could have continued to made that team, you know, more or less probably win some more cups. Um, they having to move them out. And doc was just, you know, the unfortunate next person that that happened to and the Montreal Canadians once again, grabbed a high end talent, I don't know. I feel like he he had the the resolve. He had the ice time. I think his injury got the best of him. And then Chicago's downfall due to, you know, the lack of fucking, you know, young, high, you know, high-end guys being around them in the culture that his, you know, season along with his injury fucked him and was easily movable. And now it just showed that, he still got it and we're just the ones blessed with it. But um, their, their line doc Suzuki Caulfield is uh, according to what I'm looking at third, third in the league for goals uh, with just one goal behind Vegas, Vegas's Eichel Stevenson stone line. And obviously the number one line is uh Fucking Dallas's Robertson, uh, Pavelski, uh, Rupe Hints line, but best uh, line in the league, best line in the league. They, uh, the Canadians line is a 71.4% on goals, uh, for goals percentage, and they've only been assembled for eight games. And, um, you know, the one and two spot they've been assembled for their entire season so far at 14 and then 12 games. So, um, I think I, you know, we're below, but we're really not like, um, the, the, the stat I'm looking at is just fucking crazy. It's, I don't it's, think it's that really I don't ass. think, yeah. Like, I don't think that this line is going to be like the best line in the league. You know what no, I mean? No, but it's definitely it's sustainable. I don't know. Like, I don't. I think the verdict's still out a little bit on whether or not like the goal scoring is actually sustainable. 
but I do think um, that this is a team, like this is a line that can, that should be given the opportunity to kind of stick together. And um, I think they will continue to improve. It's just the defensive matrix or metrics, sorry, have kind of, we're kind of bad with just Suzuki and Caulfield, but Kirby Doc has definitely helped to improve them. But um, speaking of, you know, just players playing out of their mind, um, the Habs have gotten off to a much better start to the season than I think anyone kind of predicted. They're only, I think they're, what, I think we're only like a point, a point off the Leafs right now. Yeah, we're, we're a win away from the Leafs with a game in hand for second in the Atlantic. Eight, six, and one above 500. And a large part of that is due, in fact, to, you know, the first line, which we spent a large amount of time talking about. But I think more than anything, it's due to our goaltending, which has just been out of this world um, to start the season. And, if like, if you told me Sam Montembeau was going to start the year with a 2-3-8 goals against average and a 9-30 save percentage, I would have told you you were fucking nuts. Like I would not have bet money on that. However, if I was going to, I uh, I would have used DraftKings, and I think we have a word from them. Yes, we do, and I'd, I'd love to get on to what you said in a second because uh, it it almost doesn't feel real, uh, Montembeau right now because I feel like he's not playing to that. And then you look at the stat, and it's like. Well, the stat doesn't fucking lie. But uh, anyway, NFL Sundays are only getting better. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win player props point totals um I, I think tomorrow or today when you guys are listening i think the eagles are playing the commanders uh the fucking eagles haven't lost yet so i, I think that's it that's it that's probably an easy one i think the commanders aren't looking that well um or if you want to ride the lightning and you can run with fucking Mason's team, the Miami Dolphins, for next week. I don't know who they're playing, but they're fucking steamrolling. But uh, anyway, uh, with bigger payouts, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, Mason. So before our uh, ad read by the lovely Draft uh, <laughs> DraftKings, uh, we were talking about Montembeau and um, until this blue uh up the twitter world that is you know Habs twitter i didn't believe it i didn't think it was i just 
you see Sam Montebo and you're like, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those nights. And he's more or less has turned it around and has found a rhythm. Uh, like, th- like this whole team has, this whole team is I'm just, a little, I'm a little surprised with your comment that you didn't think it looked like he was playing good. I mean, I, you shouldn't be too surprised. Uh, no, just, I mean, just like, from, like the amount, the amount of, you know, extra work I'm doing. So like when I see Sam Montebo in, I'm not, you know, I'm only getting a chance to watch, let's say they play like three times a week. Um, I'm only seeing like one and a half of those games. So I'm not seeing a lot of it and I'm, I'm seeing wins, but I'm all, if I'm seeing Sam Montebo, I'm not, I'm not expecting, you know, him to be doing this well. And yeah. I mean, I for the think, listeners, like, I, I've had like three days off in two months. <laughs> I think when you watch Monty play, like he just looks calm, calm and confident. And do I think it's sustainable? No, um, <laughs> I don't. But it's hard to. I'm a. I think it's well established. I am a Montebo hater, but I can't deny results, and he's been phenomenal. Jake Allen, um, whose save percentage took a little bit of a hit the last few games, however has also been fucking amazing. And it's kind of his you know, normally is though. His normally stays pretty decent. Like even last year. Well, yeah, I mean, last I year think, was tough for I him. But... Allen has been a victim in Montreal. A lot of the years, I think his save percentage should be better, but playing in front of the defense that he is, it, it, it happens. But what I mean to say, like Allen's kept us in a lot of fucking games this year, mm-hmm. much to the chagrin of, I think, a lot of Habs fans, but probably to the joy of Marty St. Louis and the team. It'll be interesting to see kind of what Kent Hughes decides to do if Montembeau and Allen both continue to play well, because I've, we've already, it happens every year and we spoke about this, but we've already seen how many goalies go down. New Jersey's lost both their goalies. Campbell's playing like shit in Edmonton. Minnesota has some goalie issues. Uh, Martin uh, Jones, Toronto is hurt. Toronto's losing. The, like goalies are dropping like fucking flies. Out this there. is this has been a tough year, uh, fantasy wise for Vancouver. For has that Calgary's been terrible. Uh, yeah, it's so there's there's definitely a market establishing itself for hog goaltending. So if Montembeau can continue to ride it out and the Habs could get something for him or for Allen, that would be awesome. Like this, you know, this is, I think, a very good development for the Habs, even though it hurts our chances at Bedard. Listen, I don't think the Habs are very likely to draft Bedard. I think we'll still get a top five pick, top 10, bare minimum. We're not making the playoffs. I think we'll get a top five pick this season. Because you know there there is regression due, but if Monty finishes the year with a nine thirty and Allen continues to play the way it is, it's going to be a lot tougher for us to uh, to get those picks. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. I I do have a little bit of a fear, Corey, that the first line scoring will dry up and the goaltending will uh, <laughs> cool down at the same time, and we may be due for some tough some tough hockey games here, but. You know, right now the hockey's exciting and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, look, um, if I'm not mistaken, Monty's only played four games this year and five. Um, five. Okay, so I, I on my um, I was looking at my fantasy. I couldn't see um, 
the one before October 17th. So it had to be, you know, obviously it's early a fucking game. But anyway, um, the teams he played, I don't want to say you're struggling, but um, I, I don't know what to say. Um, if anything, I feel like it could, you know, it's a great, great stats for him right now. Um, what he's got three wins, two losses, something like that for him. Uh, I think if anything, maybe start, you know, especially after what he did in Vancouver or did he play Pittsburgh? I think it was Vancouver. Um, who? Uh, Montembeau. He played, he played the Vancouver. So, which was, he, he was excellent that game. Um, Maybe I don't know. Like I'm looking at it now. It's actually a pretty it's a pretty fair split. It's not it's not in Montembeau's favor, but two games for Allen to one game for Sam Montembeau. I think that's a pretty good it's a good weight off of Allen's shoulders compared to what he was looking at to be doing last year before he got injured. Um Hopefully this can continue moving forward and just there's there's a great uh there's a great chemistry where you know both both of the goalies can know that they can have an off night and and have someone carry it for them. Um I mean I do think that like I guess I'm wondering like do you not give kind of credence to the idea that having two really hot goalies could be harmful for the Habs future this season? Sure, but I don't I don't see it. I mean, look, if, if you look at the teams he's played, he did – he had Vancouver, Winnipeg, who is, who's turned it around right now, uh, Buffalo, who's doing pretty pretty decent, and then uh, Pittsburgh that I know of. I can't remember the last one, probably like Detroit or something. Um, I feel like those were a little easier easier games to, to snag for at the moment because those teams minus uh, – Minus Pittsburgh really haven't been scoring that much or like the games haven't been like being drug out as much. Um, but I mean, we're about to, we're about to be facing some, we got a tough, you know, a tough couple of um, months coming up and I don't see, I don't see it really getting like more like, gee, I don't know. I don't see it getting better. I, I, I can see it like being sustainable for a bit, but there's going to be some type of, uh, you know, plateau for these goalies. And it's – I don't see it destroying our chances at getting a top five. This this team's fun to watch, and I feel like they can hold this together for a long time. But I still don't see us, you know, going I far. Kind of my line of thinking is that – if we win games because Caulfield, Suzuki, Doc, Gooley, whatever, they play really, really good, that is perfectly acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's development. And I am not a strip the roster kind of person. But I think when when you win games because Allen's made 25 saves in a period – or Monta, but like a 930 save percentage is not, I don't think, sustainable for Monty. But even if he plays at a 920, 915, and he starts in, and they steal games like multiple games, that can be really big. And personally, I don't think either of those guys are the solution. 
right in the future then they're not the future of the crease in montreal no but if they keep so, doing well that's so good for them because that's opportunities for us to to move that individual no absolutely that's what I'm, but i think would you not want to move them sooner than later before they do more damage i guess is the argument i'm uh, I, I hear I, have. You. I mean, do you really want to pull in Primo and have him skull dragged into the fucking earth? No, but I do think that there are veteran goalies you could sign. That's fair. I also don't, I'll That's be fair. honest, I don't think Caden Primo, I, as a, who was someone who was a big fan of Caden Primo, this is kind of my, I'm not sure he's the future of the net for Montreal. I think he's a, I think he's, coming up on his what do you want to call it uh I said be- clock. yeah i said in the beginning of the season uh or at least season four uh, of this podcast i said this is probably his make or break year where he has to prove something especially with new management <laughs> there they have they hold no ties with this kid you know they're seeing yeah. the great carry price you know whatever happens but we more or less have come to terms that he's not coming back. This is where we are. We have a kid coming up and we have guys that are behind him that could be even better. But if you, you know, I I feel even Primo could be something to move as well because of uh, expectations, you know, and if you bring him up and he just destroys that, I don't know. I do think, like, in to give him defense, Primo has never had like a good opportunity. No, he was never needed to, and that's that's every every goalie, you know, during the the Carey Price era, you'll never get a shot. No, that's not even what I'm saying though. I'm saying like when he's played, he's played on terrible. Like last season, he got yeah. thrown wolves. I'm just saying what you said. The year before that, he played for a terrible team. Um. And he is only 23, and goalies do take a lot more time. I think my issue is, like, I don't see how he how he fits in terms of a timeline because I think the Habs still have at least another year or two of playing really, really bad hockey. Mm-hmm. And you don't want Primo to be exposed to that. And when you look at his AHL numbers, even this season, he's not even at 900. Like, he's struggling. So I think that Primo's a great story. Goalie drafted in the seventh round. I think he could become a career backup goalie. I think he could maybe become a fringe starter. I think it's looking more like a backup. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that – because even if he does burst onto the scene this season – and he becomes, you know, like a superstar, like a really good goalie. That that hurts us, as I said, right? You almost don't want him to do that. So I think that Caden Primo may be a guy, like you said, the new management may be looking to uh, to moving him at some point. Um, I know the, it's not the deepest draft for goalies this year. So, you know, it, it's, it's weird. It's a weird time and being a Habs fan and being Habs management where you've never really had to search for a goalie the last <clears throat> two decades because you had Jose before, like this is, yeah. it's weird for the Habs to not have an heir apparent. And I think a lot of people want to name Primo for that reason, 
but I think he's far from the uh, heir to Carey Price. So before we move on, I guess my closing on the goalies is I don't think it's smart to move them just yet because of how fucking bad the entirety of the injuries and the unpredictability of the goalies have been this year. I think I think we're going to come into terms with at least five, five deep playoff teams that are going to be in need of a goalie come, you know, trade deadline. And, you know, the people that are at home of the, the Montreal Canadiens know exactly what to do. And they'll figure something out. And you know what? If if they don't have faith in Caden Primo as being the next guy, you know, he can be the stepping stone at least. You know, and he can he can he can get his reps and then you know gain his experience and then get moved. He gets moved. I I, I want more for him, you know, but I think that it's a I don't know. It's a little too early to move the goalies, and I know that's not what you were saying. Um, but I think I think there's a great possibility that if these guys continue to play this well, that we'll get an astron astronomical offer from from a team trying to trying to at least get you know uh, the card. Well, yeah, no, back like, home. Like, <laughs> the goalie market's definitely going to be. Very, I mean, it's like, tough, dude. Like, it's gonna be rich this season. So, even a guy like Primo, which is why I bring it up, I, I don't think there's a lot of teams willing to ship their prospects either. Which is why mm-hmm. I kind of talk about maybe shipping out Kane Primo, and we do have other young goalies like Frederick D. Chow, the gnome. Um, fuck, who's the other one in uh, Ohio State? I can't think of his name. Uh, we have Joe Verbetic, <clears throat> who's playing in. Uh, the East Coast League right now, a 20-year-old goalie who could potentially be very good for us. So I think the Habs have a lot of options, and I think it's kind of a position that gets ignored when you talk about trade deadline moves and acquisitions. But I think the Habs could be very active in the goaltending market, you know, selling this season. Um what Jacob Dobes, I think is it Jacob Dobes. Jacob Dobes, yes. Yeah. Um Topeka Pilots. <laughs> is there you know, I kind of kind of to wrap things up here. Um, did you have anything else you kind of wanted to uh, to talk about? Because what is our our closing closing statement? Let's see. Um, well, I want to thank everyone who came and watched the live stream. Um, for the Vancouver game, it was like the last thing I did before I got sick. Um. And thank Dylan for bringing me on to do that. That was fun. It was a fun game to watch for the Canadian side of things. Um, let's see. We got the upcoming game Tuesday is going to be New Jersey. Um, that's going to be unfortunate, but it'll be the first game that we unveil our um, light blue fucking jerseys. Um, so that's. It's cool. It is what it is, what it fucking is. It's 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 whatever. But um I don't remember this fucking guy, but apparently um, (laughs) he was like really big um, during the forum days or whatever. But metal, which is the light blue Lanny McDonald um, 
looking, you know, reverse Yuppie is uh is making his appearance and he's going to be back for one, two, three, four, five, six, ten games, if I'm not mistaken, which are all the games that uh, the boys will be wearing the reverse retros. Uh, one of them being Monday, January 9th on my birthday against Seattle, which is six. So hopefully Seattle wears theirs that day as well. But um, yeah, I had no idea who the fuck this dude was. I don't remember him at all. Um, I'm looking at a black and white photo from the year I was born. I mean, the year, the my first year on this earth. I don't know why the photos are black and white, but it's like a really fucked up like uh, photo of him in the background. And it's it just looks weird as fuck. But apparently this thing has been around for a while. Um, I think it looks cool. Sick orange mullet. Um, I mean, a big metal fan. So why, why, why would I be upset with it? But I don't know how you feel about it. I think it's uh, I think it's weird as fuck. But apparently he's been around for uh, a long time. It just hasn't resurfaced. Yeah, I I never heard of like I I don't <laughs> I don't really focus too much on the mascots, but I I'm not sure I really understand the point in having a mascot for like nine games. I also don't know if like they could be fucking with us. Like I I have I have no I have idea. No like, idea. Like I don't know anything about this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah he's kind of a weird look apparently he was like a big thing from like the 80s and the 90s like i'm reading anything i could find on it but um i also feel like why why didn't why wasn't he the fucking mascot why did why did we just take Yuppie after the expos left if we had this thing called metal um, I I don't which, like I have I think it's just some bullshit that they pulled out. Of it's like a Netflix, you know, like um, it's like like when they were fucking like how Disney started making like Moon Knight and like you don't actually know who Moon Knight was. He's not. So oh watching. no 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 no. I think that I think that's a tough one for you. Um, I think I think that's a that's a tough sell, but I know where you're coming from. I, I I know it. I know it's like bringing back a classic that nobody actually remembers. Is yeah, like the McRib, like I mean, like that's just all hype. That's you know fair. what? How about how about a, how about an easier one? Um, do you even remember the McDonald's uh, shake shake uh, salad uh, to go cups, where it was like a parfait size, I, buddy, Canada container. What about Canada? Canada? McDonald's Canada, McDonald's US are different entities. They have different menus. Oh, I don't give a fuck. Anyway, well, I'm talking 90s. That's all. I'm just talking 90s. Talking 90s. I don't know. I don't know. Well, regardless, we're we're getting roll back to roll roll back the rim to win. I don't know when it whatever. I I don't know. I don't get it. Uh this guy's weird. Roll back the rim is not classic. (laughs) No, I'm saying saying it's classic, but maybe like the original one wasn't called that. Maybe it was like you know, bend the straw to win it all. I don't fucking know. Bend the uh, straw to win it all. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else is in the notes. Um, Matheson's returning. We didn't even get on to that. Um, so we'll just quickly on it. Someone's got to make room. What do you think? Is it a rookie or is it a guy that we're spending money on? I, I think Weidman's out, and I think – they have to send uh, one of the three 
one of the three youngins not named Kovacevic because he's, you know, not waiver exempt. That's how we picked him up. Um, yeah. But I have no idea how they're going to do it. I'm not I've, willing to make a prediction until I see a couple. I think games. it's tough. I don't. I don't want to be that person to make that call. I feel like you gotta keep the fucking cowboy out there because he's your edge. You know, like he's he can keep him in check, but at the same time. Uh, I don't know. Same, same, same predicament for me. I'm kind of, I'm happy we almost didn't bring it up because it wasn't going to be genuine for me. I, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I think it's something we can talk about next, next episode. Um, maybe we can get you watching some games. <laughs> I'm sorry, some, I've, I've been some dude, input. I was no, no, it's not your fault. I worked half a day Friday. Um, I had to forfeit my two shifts on Saturday because I had the flu. Um, and in my mind, I was like, you know what? I got two and a half days off. I'm going to enjoy them. That was a lie. I had 101 degree fever for two days. Um, I thought I pissed myself in the bed. That's how much I was sweating. Um. And I don't remember much of it because I'd wake up, I'd take cough medicine, um, and then I'd pass out and I'd wake back up and I'd check my phone and it'd be like, you know, like a a couple hours later. So I was like losing, losing gaps. There was just moments of, uh, you know, drowsiness, being awake, water, and then sleeping again. So hopefully uh, we can get some things rolling. If you guys did watch during the live stream, thank you all so much. Um, I talked to Dylan and once my season starts to slow down at work, uh, which will happen around, uh, I'd say probably right after Thanksgiving, it's going to slow down a lot. So once that happens, uh, I'm going to start doing some more live stream stuff. So if that's something y'all are interested in, check it out, tune in, talk, um, comment. I don't, it, it's all appreciated. And that's something, uh, I think, once Mason gets some free time, we'd like to do every now and then is do some uh, some video shit, and we'll just see how that works. But I don't know, Mason. You got anything else to say? No, I think we're good for today. We gotta, like I said, leave the math. We'll leave the Matheson discussion uh, for the next episode. Get some some more uh, game. Like I just think we need to see more footage. We need to see more games. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good to call her there, bud. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, folks, this has been Habs Nightly. LOL. <laughs> this has been Habs Nightly. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed yourself, please give us a like, a share, and a follow. Uh, you can do that on Twitter at Habs, Night- Habs Nightly and myself at Bayou Benders. Um, please give us a, a review and a like on whatever streaming platform you listen to this on. It's on every one of them. Uh, recommend it to your friends. If they're interested in it, if they want to hear a different take on the Habs hockey world, because we have got to be one of the most fucking unique ones. Um, If y'all have a comment, y'all want to have something read on air or, you know, maybe a topic y'all want us to talk about, uh, leave it at HabsNightly at gmail.com. If you want a voice one and you want it to be heard on the podcast, you can do so at our SpeakPipe account, which is www.speak, 
pipe.com forward slash Habs Nightly. And to fucking round it out, once again, this has been Habs Nightly. I am one of your co-hosts, Gordon Bayou Benders, along with Mason Dixon. This has been fun. I'm still sick, but in recovery. We'll talk to you guys again soon. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.